What's up, Reckless? How are we doing tonight? Good, good, good. I got a, I got a question. Um, just for Northeast people. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, here's my question. Do they still call it hate week? All right. Okay. Here's why I ask. I graduated in 2013 and it was called hate week back then. It's basically been called hate week for whatever reason. I don't, I don't technically like the term. I like North people. I like North people. I'm an East Paulding person. And here's why I like North people. Because back when I was at East Paulding, and I played football at East Paulding, North was like our practice game before the rest of our season started. But here's the thing. So I never developed this, like, hatred for North people. I mean, I loved playing North back when I was in high school. But I can understand that the tides have kind of turned. There's a little bit of bitterness from East people who was just in elementary school back in those days. And now they're still kind of watching East Paulding get beat by North. But I'm just, hey, hey, hey. I'm just, I'm just, look, South Paulding, Paulding, Hiram, just consider yourself lucky that you don't have to worry about the Northeast rivalry. Anyways, I digress. I just, I thought it was that week. I'll be there Friday. I didn't know if they still called it hate week. Call it love week. Try to like change the, try to, try to change the tide. Like call it love week. Like we love this game. We get to come together. I hope no one in the room, you got North and East people in the room in the same small group. I hope you can at least go through small group civil tonight. But anyways, Chosen Youth is our series that we are concluding tonight. And if we had to pick kind of like an overarching topic of what the night is all about, and it's really cool just watching the service from the beginning to now, there's been so many threads and themes about this and kind of teeing this topic up from the mission trip to the worship And then now, we are going to talk about the need for your generation, your chosen youth generation, to be able to spread the gospel and to be able to identify students and people who need to be reached. So I know there were some some churchy words in there that maybe are not making sense to you. Who is to be told about Jesus. That's basically it. Who is to be told about Jesus? So a few, uh, a few hours ago, I was just kind of going over my notes, and I wanted to look up a statistic, and I found that generally people under the age of 30 who would consider themselves Christians do not feel, and some would say even think it's wrong, to openly share your faith with others. About 50% of people under 30. So that's basically saying that half the room tonight would say, I love talking about Jesus, what he's done in my life. But then the other half of the room would say, don't talk about that stuff. We're all believers here, but don't talk about it. Now that's just a statistic. I don't know if that's the truth in the room tonight, but that's just a statistic that I saw. And I want everything that we talk about from here on to kind of flow through the lens of that's kind of the current narrative. But let's see what Jesus has to say about it. So tonight I hope to accomplish two super important things. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you one verse. We're literally just going to talk about one verse tonight. It's going to be one verse, and we're going to bring some context into it from how we got to that verse. 
But if you're taking notes, we've got one verse, super simple. And I want you to be able to write two points down in your notes, or if you're taking whatever on your phone, notes on your phone, write these two things down. One, I hope we walk out of here and we know who is to be told about Jesus. Who. And number two, I hope that we can kind of figure out how we can simply go about doing just that. About doing just that. So, kind of rewind to what I was talking about earlier, the statistic. It's crazy, but I can kind of understand it. I can understand why, and and hang with me for a second. I can understand why 50% of our age group, I'll say our age group, I'm 24. You guys are not much younger than that, and there's people, leaders in the room that are not much older than that. So we can say our. Our, except Kim Bawalda, he's much older than that. Sorry, I always got to pick on Kim when I speak. Our age group, I can see why we would come to this point and say, no, we don't need to share our faith because it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. And it takes boldness and it takes a little bit of grit inside of you to say, I don't care what others are going to think about me. I'm going to share my faith. But again, let's go back to the scriptures and see, one, who is to be told about Jesus? And two, how can we simply go about doing just that? So, Our verse, our one verse, write this down. I hope maybe going through it the first time, it doesn't totally make sense. But as we go through it several more times, since we're only in one verse tonight, it'll start to, by the end, you'll be like, I know exactly what that means. So here we are. John 10, verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. So, Here, who is Jesus talking about when he says that um, they're sheep and he's a shepherd? Since we jump to John 10, 16, I'll bring you up to speed on what John 1 through 16 was talking about. Jesus is talking to Pharisees about how he himself is the good shepherd. And he's talking about how he watches over his sheep and they know his voice and he protects them. But... Just so you know, back then, it wasn't that uncommon to see a flock of sheep with a shepherd. That was like a norm back then. So when Jesus starts talking in this way about sheep and shepherds, people already knew exactly what that would look like, what the, what, what the memories are behind that they would have. They probably had already seen sheep or a shepherd at some point, either in the day or earlier in their life, They knew what that looked like. I don't know if anyone here has necessarily just seen a shepherd and sheep on the way to school, like on the side of road up 92. Like, you just don't see that. But in this part of culture, it was something that would have been as common as what we were talking about earlier, a Friday night football game or the movies. You would know when when someone says Friday night football games or the movies on a Saturday night, you know what that, that looks like. So this is why Jesus is using this analogy to get across his point to this Jewish, the Jewish leaders he's talking to, the Pharisees. So here I want to just kind of bring in a visual really quick of what it might look like for a shepherd to be watching over his sheep. And I know there's nothing like super crazy about this. I'm sure you probably could have seen this in your own mind. But what Jesus is doing when he's telling the Pharisees about him being a shepherd earlier in John and watching over his sheep 
This is the imagery he's trying to paint for them. And he's calling himself the shepherd and us being the sheep. And John 10, by the way, is packed full of good stuff. We're only in one verse tonight. But if, you, if I was going to give you any homework, it would be read John 1 all the way up to 16. So here in John 10, Jesus starts teaching with this visual. He says that those who follow him are his sheep and, they are his, and he is their shepherd. And he's watching over them and keeping them safe from anything that would come to destroy them. But then when we get to verse 16, we saw something was talked about, a sheep pen. We heard sheep and shepherd and sheep pen. So I've got a picture of what that would look like too. So see how the sheep here are contained? So the shepherd's job was to get them to this point, and they're contained. And now at this moment in time, the sheep really don't have to worry about what's outside. The shepherd guided them into the sheep pen, and now the sheep can like live life not even worried about what's outside that pen and that fence you see because they're inside. They're inside the sheep pen, and that's what Jesus is talking about when we see in John 10. So one more time, let's throw up John 10 really quick, 10, 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. So before we move on here, I want to basically kind of tell you what Jesus is saying here without using sheep and shepherd. So Jesus is saying, I have other people that are not of this kingdom. Kingdom with a little k. I'll explain that. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and they shall be one kingdom and one king. So when I said kingdom first, when I first said that, when we replaced the first sheep pen with it, little k kingdom, that when Jesus is talking to the Jewish leaders and to um, all the people that were listening, he was saying, I've come for something more than just what you know here, this little kingdom that you've created. I've come to bring people into my kingdom, kingdom with a big K and king with a big K. That's him talking about heaven and himself as king. But here, Jesus in saying that just dropped a bomb on the Pharisees listening to him speak. For the first time, Jesus presented an idea that God loves and cares for more than just the Jewish people that these Pharisees are kind of reigning over. Jesus is presenting an idea that there's something greater that that the Messiah is actually coming to do than just save the Jewish people. He's presenting an idea that he's come to save all people, Jews and Gentiles, and bring them into one flock and one sheep pen and one shepherd. Again, kind of like you saw the image there. Jesus is looking for more than just what's currently gathered around him speaking and gathered in Jerusalem in the tribe of Israel right there. He's talking about something greater. So, who would the other sheep be that he's talking about? So this is not in my notes, but I sat down with a pastor one time and I was just wrestling through this verse and kind of just trying to think about what it means and I read it to him and 
and again, this pastor has a, has a great sense of humor. So I was, I was walking through. Um, this wasn't Pastor Todd, although Pastor Todd has a great sense of humor. This was another guy. Um, and I'm talking about, like, Jesus says that there's these other sheep. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean, other sheep? Who is he talking about? And this is before that I continue reading and really study this verse and find out, like I said, it was talking about other people than the, than the Jews, and I'll get into that more. But this pastor, and I respect everything he says, and I was leaning in as he goes to tell me. And he said, Tyler, when Jesus says other sheep there, he's talking about aliens. And I was like, oh, no. And he's like, no, he's talking about the Gentiles. Jeez. So what is a Gentile when he says that? Basically, that's you, and that's me, and that's Pastor Todd, and Pastor Brian, and that's the friends in your small group who have accepted Christ. That's the, the families in Nicaragua who have accepted Christ when we used to go there, and the churches that we partner with in Boston. That is the other sheep. Basically, Jesus was presenting an idea that the Pharisees hated because this meant that the Gentiles too, the people other than the Jews, you came for them too, not just us. Like you're not going to elevate us way above them and we're going to be this awesome people. You actually came for everyone, Gentiles included. So if you look up the word, and they hated that idea because they, it, Northeast, Jews, Gentiles. Anyways, I'll leave that there. Um, so this idea, well, Gentiles in general, if you type it on Google, you'll find the, the definition for Gentile is simply not Jewish. So if you hear these churchy words and you're like, well, Jew, Gentile, I, I know my great-grandfather was Jewish, am I Jewish? It, if, you, if you're a Gentile, that just means that you are not a practicing Jew, you are a Gentile. So that meant that technically there was a lot more people that were going to be brought into this kingdom that Jesus is talking about. Actually, everyone, everyone. Jesus now opened up this concept that these Pharisees were wrestling with. Now everyone is going to be brought into this kingdom under one king that he's talking about. So I told you one verse, John 10, 16, would be the verse that we would cover tonight. And that is our answer. Who is to be reached? Who are we to tell about Jesus? Well, Jesus says that he came for a lot more people than just the current Jews that were huddled around him listening and around his daily life. He came for everyone, everyone. So when we start to understand that Jesus came for everyone, then that makes this verse just a little bit more personal. That means that we can kind of substitute our name in there for other sheep. That means that we can actually, we're, we're starting to be introduced into the story that Jesus is telling to these Pharisees. Now, not just this Jewish culture, but now Gentiles that are to come years from now are going to be brought into this kingdom that's much greater than you know. So we know who Jesus came for, but what do we do with that? How does that affect us and how do we share that? Well, telling people about Jesus can be difficult because we as believers don't really understand the role that, that Jesus actually 
played in our salvation. You see, Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our sins before Jesus, and he alone gave us salvation through what he did on the cross, and he was the one, like he's telling in John 10, 16, who was able to bring us into this kingdom. So remember, Jesus is telling the Jewish leaders this, and they're getting upset, and they don't understand it, but to us now reading this verse and seeing this all take place, this like should be our total confidence and eternal security if you're a believer here tonight. Now, I want to give you a disclaimer, kind of a side note. This confidence that we can take away from John 10, 16, about Jesus didn't just come to save the Jewish people, he actually came to save all people, and that you could replace your name for other sheep. You could say Tyler, or you could say whatever. You could put your name in there. Jesus is talking about you in that situation. That confidence that we can take away from that is only for the people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. So if there was a moment at Rush where you decided to follow Jesus, if there was a moment in small group or years ago or in kids ministry or at home one night where you were like, look, I am putting my faith and trust in Jesus. I believe what he did on the cross. That is our confidence in the room here tonight, if that's you. When we fully understand that we are the other sheep, then there starts to become a little bit of an excitement inside of us that now means we're ready to tell others. When we start to understand what it looks like to look at John 10, 16 and see Jesus was talking about bringing me into his kingdom. Even back then, he was telling those guys that one day he would bring me and my family and my friends and my small group into his kingdom. That confidence, bless you, that confidence is something that we can use to fuel us to tell our friends and the people who do not know Jesus about him because we understand the weight that it affects on us personally. So let's recap. I know a lot of kind of heavy concepts here. Let's recap. Jesus basically says that he came to the world to bring all people into God's kingdom. That's one. Kind of two, we start to realize as believers that Jesus was talking about us. And then three, that makes us excited enough. It should make us excited enough to tell others this new information that we now have. Now, what are some ways that we can go about spreading the gospel? So we understand now who Jesus came for. We understand clearly we have a verse where we can put our confidence in Jesus was talking about me even back then. He was talking about me when he said other sheep. So we have the kind of excitement when we put our faith and trust in him in that moment. And now... Jesus calls us to go tell others. So what are some ways we can do that? And again, tonight has been so cool where we got to talk about mission trips that we're going to be able to take this year. That's a way. Nicaragua and Boston are trips over the past couple years that have totally been an awesome opportunity for students in the room and leaders to go and share the gospel with some of those other sheep Jesus is talking about, some of those other people that are scattered all over the world that are waiting to hear the good news about Jesus. 
That's one way. And again, when we have that confidence that Jesus came to bring us salvation and we have to tell others about it, when we have that confidence, then we sign up for those trips because we need to spread the good news and not as much so, so we could go and see people who we've made friends with before or take pictures for social media or go because your friends are going. Those are all good too. But we're like, I've got to be on this trip because I know without a shadow of doubt there are people in Boston, there are people in Nicaragua that need to hear what I just figured out in John 10, 16. That's one way. Another way would be simply showing up to Reckless. There are people at Reckless each and every week that have not yet put their faith and trust in Jesus. Now, I know that you might think, well, I mean, we're all making an attempt to show up here to church, and we're listening to the message, and we're worshiping. Like, isn't that good enough? There are still people in the room who have not yet put their faith and trust in Jesus, which means we cannot just stop living on mission. We always have to walk in a way that models Jesus and be ready to have a conversation with someone who just doesn't know. Seniors, that's you in the room tonight. There are underclassmen in the room tonight that are watching you and seeing what it looks like to share the gospel with others and to walk out your faith each and every day. Underclassmen, there are people at your FCAs and that are in middle school that are waiting to come up to Reckless and plenty of students in the room tonight that are still looking at you to see if what you say you believe and what you say you read is actually true in your life. And when we are able to tell those people about Jesus and to model what he's done in our life, that's another way we can share the gospel. And then last, I don't think that, I, I think this could go without saying, but again, our schools, our schools are equally as big of a mission field as Nicaragua or Boston or anywhere else on this earth. There are plenty of people in your schools that it's kind of like going on a mission trip every single day. And if you're a believer in the room tonight and you have accepted Christ and you have Jesus living inside of you, the Holy Spirit should be able to point out different people in your school like all the time that need to hear Jesus. So there's this kind of like, and you might have heard this before, there's this theory that a lot of people have kind of adopted that says something along the lines of, like, that's your truth. Like, that's, that's your truth. I have my truth. You have your truth. And what you're saying is just your truth. That doesn't necessarily apply to me. Well, what I've found is that there is, there's one truth, and maybe it is easy to kind of keep someone's own truth Maybe it's easy to keep that quiet and just don't talk about it when they say, you know, that's your truth. I don't really want to hear it. That doesn't apply to me. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that he is the truth. There's one truth. And again, going back to the statistic from the very beginning, 
50% of the people in the room tonight still could potentially walk away and say, I'm a believer, but I just, I don't think that sharing Jesus with my friends or people is really all that important. And it's just a statistic. I choose not to believe it for this room. I know this room too well, and I I don't think that's 50% of this room. But generally, 50% of our generation and our age group would say that sharing Jesus with your friends and family isn't important. And that's just not what we're seeing. Again, it was one verse, and Jesus basically said, everyone has to come into this. So as we close, I want to give you kind of a, a thought. One would be, there's just not anywhere we can go. If we're asking ourselves who's to be reached, who needs to hear about Jesus, there's just not a place that we can go to escape that. And we have to kind of turn the tide of maybe our generation's mindset on what it actually looks like to be a believer. And sharing our faith is a major part of that. And again, mission trips, coming to church, going to school every day, those are mission fields. But the second part of that is actually being able to communicate what it looks like to share your faith, and to actually be able to share your testimony with others. And those are the type of things that I hope in small group tonight. I mean, you can practice that. You can talk with your leader about what that looks like. I know a lot of people maybe have never had the chance to do that. Can you imagine a group session where everyone goes around just talking about how they're going to practice sharing their faith and how they're going to try? That's the place to do it here tonight. Here's the main point. As believers, it should be our mission to tell everyone from every race, every tribe, every language, and every people group about Jesus so he can bring them into one flock and one shepherd or his kingdom, and he's the king. We have to tell everyone. We can't exclude people because, again, when we understand that excitement that we get after reading John 10, 16, the thought of excluding someone from this good news just doesn't even make sense. One last time, I want to read John 10, 16, so maybe it kind of sits differently on some of you guys. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. Really quick, let's throw up the picture of, um, of the sheep in the pen again. So, obviously a farm, but if we're, if we're kind of bringing some, some parallels to this, the believers in the room tonight are kind of like in this pen. They're in the pen Jesus was talking about where he's brought them into, into this sheepfold or sheep pen, depending on what version you read. So, that's us. That's a lot of us in the room tonight. But just like these sheep, we cannot adopt the mindset that there's really nothing outside of this pen that matters. The sheep might think that, but we cannot think that because Jesus is not thinking that. Jesus is actually saying, look, there's people here. We have a a sheep pen here, and there's people who are following me now, but you don't even know the people that are outside of this pen that still have to be brought in that still need to hear. They need to know my voice. 
They need to hear my voice is what he's saying. He said they'll know my voice, and fortunately through the Holy Spirit in us believers, we get to play a small part in being that voice of Jesus as we're able to communicate the gospel to them and allow Jesus to speak into their heart. But we can't adopt the mindset that us in the room, my small group, us, us believers, I feel good with this. This is a comfortable amount of people. This is, I got my friends, I got my family, you know, I got my small group leader. It's good. I'm all right with this amount of people because Jesus is outside of it saying, we got to bring in more. There's more people that still have to hear. There's more people that still need to be brought into this. We're not done yet. And that's the challenge that Jesus is bringing up in John 10, 16 to the Pharisees. Reckless, I pray this will be a year that we realize that we get the chance to play a huge part in, in the story God is writing on, on mission trips and here in Reckless and at school every day. I pray that we realize that the other sheep actually in the story is us and our friends and our family who have accepted Christ, but there are people who have not yet. And until the time comes where we're able to share with those people who have not yet, we can't rest. We can't quit. There's people, there's souls that go to your school every single day that still have to hear about Jesus. And they have to know what that excitement is that you found in verse John 10, verse 16, when you realize that Jesus was talking about you. So I pray tonight in small group, maybe you get a chance to look and see, maybe examine yourself, examine your heart and see, am I living on mission? Am I, am I actually, do I care for those? Do I have a heart for those people who have not yet accepted Christ? Or am I ready to share my faith? I hope that's the type of discussion that maybe comes from tonight. But I think this will be the year that this generation says no to that statistic and that we start to change what the stats are saying, and that 50% of this room does actually listen to what Jesus is saying when he's saying there are more sheep to be brought into the sheep pen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight. God, thank you for this group. Thank you for these students who are committing to live on mission. God, I just pray that through this year at Reckless, through mission trips and school each and every day and coming here each Wednesday night, that we're able to continue to realize that the work is not done. There's still people who need to know what Jesus did on the cross for them, just like we know what he did for us. God, I pray if there's someone in the room tonight and they're listening and, and they don't even remember a time where they accepted Christ or maybe they don't ever remember a time actually following Jesus or committing to following Jesus, God, I pray that tonight those type of conversations would happen in small group where maybe students are realizing, wait a second, there is an excitement that I don't yet have. And that is something that I need. And God, I pray that you move tonight. God, I pray the Holy Spirit moves in small groups. And from this week on out, as we close this series, from this week on, we realize that this chosen generation, God, would be a generation that changes the way evangelism is currently happening. God, it changes the way that people are currently finding out about Jesus. God, and it's uh, from, from history 
is written about this generation who totally changed the narrative of Christians in this country and in this nation and across this world. God, I love you. Thank you for this opportunity to speak, God. In your name, and I pray.